getting you ready for all the biggest games across the college sports world. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU's The Introduction Suggests. My name is Jeffrey Wright. I'm the co-host of the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Weekdays from 2 until 4. You can stream us live on the Odyssey app. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. Please be joined by my co-host, RJ Choppy, of course, the co-host of Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan in the Metroplex. He's on Twitter at RJ Choppy. RJ, it's finally here. Coach USA, goodbye to Cameron Indoor. How are you going to celebrate? How are you going to take in this extravaganza? You know, I I, I do believe I'm going to take in this extravaganza by not taking in this extravaganza. I am going to protest the end of everyone. We're in, you know, we got it. You got it. You got to take stands. You got to take sides. Uh, 2022, you have to take sides. You cannot, you can no longer stay in the fence in the middle. And I am taking a stand and I'm going to not, I am going to take this in by not watching Duke Carolina. Can we really do that? I would actually love, (laughs) I would love to protest your protest, like to, like to get involved. I just wonder if, like, I, if it's actually doable to, like, not actually watch this. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, for us, you know, we don't – on our radio station, um, we don't talk much college basketball at all uh, outside of the tournament. And we did a little bit, a very, very little bit on Coach K today, you know, and I just kind of went off on – you know, that just that, you know, I, I think he, you know, he's, got, uh, he's got us all fooled. He's got us bamboozled and hoodwinked. Yeah, that he is, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Do it the right way. Uh, but no, we really can't. We really can't skip it uh, because it is history. As much as we are, we see. I completely it, agree. It's history. No, to me, it's it's it. It falls under the line of I believe two things can be true. Number one, I can think he is self-righteous, insufferable, a liar, a phony fraud, however you want to call it. And I can also acknowledge you cannot tell the story of college basketball without Mike Krzyzewski. He is, if not the greatest coach of all time, he is in that conversation. The debate is, you know, him and a handful of people. I can acknowledge that fully. It's just one of those situations where I wish Carolina were better so that I could buy in that Carolina could spoil this day. Because to me, the the perfect ending would be Carolina spoiling Coach USA Day. And that would be like amazing. I just don't believe Carolina can do that. I don't either. I don't think they can. Um, they, they have shown this year that they are just way too inconsistent. Uh, and, you know, for all the, the hiccups they've had along the way, and they've had a couple of them, they're a far better basketball team than, than Carolina is. And there is no way that Duke is losing this game. There's not a chance that they are losing this basketball game. Uh, even if even if they have an off night, you know what's going to happen, and it's the same thing that's going to happen in the NCAA tournament. Is that they? You have never seen a a red carpet to the free throw line like you're going to see in Duke's run to yet another national championship this year. Dwayne Wade and Bennett Salvatore are going to be embarrassed by what they're about to see. That's a harken back to 06 NBA Finals. They are going to be embarrassed about what they're going to see on TV in this tournament. They really are. 
And I fully believe that. And I think that's what's going to happen Saturday night in his final. Yeah, so you bring up a good point. Because to me, one of the questions I've been having, I'm, I feel like I'm getting locked in on college hoops right now. Like, this is this is a great yeah. time on the calendar. Like, you you it usually takes like a couple weeks after the Super Bowl to get off, get over your football's over depression. Yep. And then you, you realize, like, wait a minute, there's a college hoops game on every night. Like, let's – Let's get the old betting app out. Like, let's let's sit down. Let's watch some hoops. I think I had been kind of in denial about this Duke team. Like, I still don't think they are like a championship level Duke team. Right. But the more and more I watch nationwide, the more and more I'm convinced, oh, wait a minute. This is a real threat and this is a real team. And I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to say I think they're a contender, but I think what I've realized right now is I have definitely been in denial and this team is better than <laughs> I think they are. Look, they're, they're a good team. They're not a, I don't think an elite team. They're, they're very, very good though. Uh, and then they've got, they've got, look, they've got good players. They've got NBA talent on this team. Um, and you know, Shire is, is, you know, he's got a high, highly rate. I think it's number one right now for yeah. next year. Um, they're they're a solid squad. This is one of the handful of teams that probably can win it. Uh, now, may not be because of their metrics. It may be because of you know the outside influences of uh, uh, of the officials come Coach K's you know final run. But I, mean, I do think that they're a they're a threat of, of some kind. I, I don't see them leaving us by Saturday of the first weekend. Here's a a question I have for you, because this is something I've been somewhat kind of struggling with. Are we both in agreement that there is no, like, I feel like in other years we've had probably three to four teams and maybe they don't end up winning it. Maybe they get a, an unlucky game. They get bounced, but there's yeah. the identifiable contender. And this year, I don't feel like there has been multiple teams that have really like, displayed themselves and passed the eye test. I'm starting to wonder, does that make the field more open this year? Or is it a situation where even if it's not top end as high, so maybe the top end is a, an eight and a half rather than a nine and a half. Is yeah. it still going to be the same rules apply where it's still going to be, you know, a top, uh, a top 20 Ken Palm offense, a top 20 Ken Palm defense, those are still going to be the same rules that apply. Have you kind of thought about this? Because I can't figure out if maybe this is a situation because there's no elite team that maybe it's more open. But I haven't really come up with a good theory so far for, for what I actually feel like we're watching. Yeah, I mean, I look at it like this. Um, this is certainly not the first time since 2002 that there has not been a clear-cut champion. And every time that Ken Palm theory has held true, so so I do think this is no different. I mean, that's that's a that's a twenty year sample size right there. Um, I don't see this this altering that one bit. Um, there there is no clear cut. This is a wide open tournament. Now, you know what is it? Top twenty five, top forty five. Uh, that's or top twenty, top something like that. Top, top forty. Top twenty, top twenty in each. But if you that's if you throw out the. Uh, the UConn, the UConn outlier in 2014. And then if you include UConn, I think it's top 40 in each. Yeah. 
And and now that brings a whole different group of teams in, like a whole different group of teams in. Um, and, and you know, there there's only a handful right now, uh, six, seven, eight, nine teams, and and that's probably who's going to wind up cutting that down. It, it's probably the same group uh, that fall into the Ken Palm theory, uh, unless you get again, you've got to get a wild Shabazz Napier kind of you know kind of postseason run. Uh, and, and I don't know who that guy is. I don't know if there is that guy in the, in the sport this year. So I, I think it's going to hold true. I mean, th- there's there's a handful of teams that, that can win going in, and I think those are the handful of teams that are going to win coming out. So this is kind of a question that I have. Who's the best guard? And I've realized the more and more we've done these shows, you know, especially the Saturday shows, I'm watching so many games without audio. I'm now at an all-time low on knowing names because I'm just watching the game. And, you know, I'm looking at stat broadcasts and whatnot, but when you're not hearing the names over and over again, for me, like, I think I've started to maybe talk myself into Purdue not fading this year because I think Jaden Ivey is such a good guard. But then again, he had kind of a – the Wisconsin game earlier this week, he had a good finish, but he really wasn't that great. Before that, I, I think where I'm struggling is I don't think the guard play has been that good this year. Uh, no, it hasn't. Um, I mean, I, I think Gillespie is probably your, probably your best bet. Um, yeah. On the best guard in the country, and, and and that would be par for the course. I mean, that's a team that is that has always had good guard play from, you know, back. I mean, you want to go back to you know 15 years ago uh, when, you know, with, uh, when, you know, with Kyle Lowry, or you want to go to sure. Jalen Brunson. I mean, they've always had good guard play there. And now I don't think Gillespie's any different. Uh, he is, he's fantastic. And he probably is, I would think uh, when he's healthy, he's probably the best guard in the country. No, I, I think you're right. Like, and that's now got me, especially this week with Nova beating Providence for the second time. I started wondering like, Oh, are they trending? But at the same time, like you look at their defense, I think they're 37th in Ken Palm in defense. And so it's kind of a like a far enough way that I'm not really sure if they can get into that top 20 range. But I think you're right. Like he feels like he's the most consistent. I do feel like you know what you're getting from him night after night. And that's the key. And, you know, you know, Jay Wright's a good coach and he has shown that that he can lead a team uh, on a run. Um, multiple runs uh, to the, in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, I, I look. I, I think that they are they're an interesting team because defensively they're not really a threat. Um, but if we throw some of these numbers out the door and you find that okay, maybe that maybe this team can. You know, the, the question is going to be, you know, how do they match up when they go up against a team that's got some big bigs uh, also with guard play? You know, and I, I, I think that's going to be their issue. In your mind. Who are the teams right now that, you know, we still obviously have two weeks before we even get to the tournament. But in your mind, who are you starting to say, okay, this team's separating itself? Because I do feel like when you get to this point in the calendar, you do start to realize the teams that are actually, like, good. Uh, that, that That's true. I think you do. Um, I, I would have said Arizona until this week, uh, you know, but I still and I still might. Um, you know, but it's your usual suspects this Arizona, Baylor, I think Kentucky, um, you know, Kentucky's got – Kentucky to me has got a, a, a lot of impressive wins on the season. 
Uh, that Kansas win stands out. I don't think Kansas is that team. I don't think Kansas is a team that I'm going to sit there and buy. Um, man, there, there's literally maybe four that like that that pop out to me. I mean, to me, I, I said this on our radio show yesterday, and I don't know how you feel, but when I look at this Kansas team, that feels like the Kansas team that's going to be overseeded. Like the classic, it happens like once every five years. The Bills self, they don't even, you know, they get beaten around a 32 and then everyone's mad at him. Like it feels like, that's what I feel like when I watch them this year. Mr. February, right? And that Bills oh, yeah. self, Mr. February. Uh, I, I could see that. I, I really could. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a few. I, I don't have a great feel um on a team like uh let's take providence for example right i, I don't have a great, is, i know that providence is the ultimate team for me that if you say like you believe in them i'm not going to talk you off of it because they keep like proving everyone wrong but it's also like that i, I don't need that you know what i mean like you can have that like that yeah. that's kind of where they are for me because you know every single time i watch them you know, they're down 15, and you're like, okay, this is going to be the game where they they are who we thought they are. But they keep coming back. And then I start thinking yeah. into the last couple of years, it feels like in the tournament, we've been seeing these teams that jump out to 15, 20-point leads, and then everyone else keeps storming back. And to me, it's like, okay, that fits Providence. Like, they were born in that. Like, that's that's how they play every single game. And so... I don't want to like I I don't feel like I'm going to be selling Providence, but I'm certainly not buying them. Like it's one of those ones where I'm going to let other people have it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to buy them. Uh, I'm not going to buy Providence. Um, you know, I'm not going to buy. I, I don't think I'm going to buy like a Texas Tech, right? You know, I know that Ken Palm's got them in their I'm top gonna, ten. I'm glad you said because everyone else I've been talking to loves Tech, and I'm like, man, they like you got to score some. Yeah. Yeah. Offensively, they're just so bad. Uh, you know, I, I watched that. You know, we watched that Tennessee game where it was just an unwatchable game. Uh, the game was in the forties, going in overtime. So I, I know defensively, Tech's really good, but I, I just can't buy them. I can't buy into them uh, as a title contender, even though people love them. They're like top ten at Ken Palm, and all the metrics kind of put them. Man, I just can't get into Texas Tech right now. The more and more we talk about this, the more and more I am now really afraid. The point that you made of, let's be real, they're going to get every call. Like, all, all the things that we think about with Duke. If he wins this year, it is going to be so insufferable. This road to the Final Four is going to be so insufferable. So bad. So bad. If he gets to the Final Four, I mean, I, you, you, you have to watch, but you don't want to watch. You really don't. It's going to be so bad if he gets there like i i it's gonna happen i'm telling you man it's gonna happen be known oh, they want chicago to be their destination there. for the for the regional semis and the coming home video like oh it's gonna be so gross but here's the thing i promised our audience rj and i will never be bigger haters than we are that entire run i can i can make that promise we will yes. do our duty when everyone else is is giving him all the credit we will be doing our duty one team we haven't yep. talked about is Gonzaga. We'll discuss them next when we come back right here on BetQLU. 
From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome back to BetQLU. I am Jeffrey Wright. He is RJ Choppy. RJ, let's get into the team that right now has the best Vegas odds to win the NCAA championship. That is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. The consensus right now is about plus 355, so you know, roughly three and a half to one to win. Where are you on them? Because we've discussed this multiple times. I just don't know what you learned in the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga. I saw them finally lose to St. Mary's. Congratulations. I'll take my uh, one loss out of every eight on that bet. Congratulations, St. Mary's. Uh, that, that's a, a nice win for you. I still think, though, that game actually caused me concern because the same things that have concerned me about Gonzaga all year, it's not it's not the interior play. It's not the front court. I still just do not like the guard play with Gonzaga. And I don't honestly, I honestly think they're worse this year. I know that's a hot take in terms of Jalen Suggs was a a top five pick, but I I just don't know if I can buy as they are the favorite. I I agree. I think you put them at the favorite based on the fact that who it's, it's more of a, who else are you going to put there? Baylor's not as good. Arizona's got flaws. I mean, they all have flaws. Uh, and, and Gonzaga's not without them. But, you know, I look at Gonzaga. First of all, the, the, the title game last year, I think, that did a lot for me. Um, it spooked everybody, myself it, included. Oh, gosh. I mean, they got run out of the gym. Nobody expected that. We all thought it was going to be a good game. Nobody thought they were going to get run out of the gym. That was like, okay, those dudes could play. And these dudes, they're they they don't belong on the same in the same league as Baylor. And it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. Uh and and, and I'll tell you this. Look at the NFL this year. The Dallas Cowboys played in a cakewalk division, one and done in the playoffs. The Titans played in a cakewalk division. One and done in the playoffs. The Packers played in a cakewalk division. One and done. Uh, these teams that play in, in weak divisions, they're not battle-tested. It's not that they're not deserving of getting into the tournament or getting into the playoffs or the seed they have. It's just that if they get into a tight game and it becomes time to, as Jerry Jones would say, circumcise mosquitoes, within the constructs of, of the, uh, of the contest, they're not prepared for it. And something happens. No, I think you're right. Because to me, one of the biggest aspects of it is they get used to the same game script. And and I know Gonzaga played a a tough non-con, but it's like when you've gone basically three months playing the same type game and maybe get tested here and there, like uh, it just, it, to me, the tournament can develop in so many ways because one thing that you and I've talked about is the games don't get officiated the same. Like maybe this game has a tight whistle. Maybe you get guys in foul trouble. They don't, they don't know how to like put all the different types of ways to win a game together because they basically just been playing the same game script. I guess this is my question though. 
we haven't seen a Big Ten champion since Michigan State. Is this a year maybe where it is right for the Big Ten? Because my natural inclination is always, eh, I'll go ahead and fade the Big Ten, and it's not, it's never the worst strategy. But I do think it's been the best league this year in terms of competitiveness. Like I, I feel like they've got the most, the the highest amount of good solid basketball teams. But at the same time, like I don't know if I'm, I don't even know who I would actually pick in that because. Like, I was thinking about this during the Wisconsin-Purdue game. Purdue's, if you need them to get a stop, like, oh, boy. That, that, like, that's yeah. the worst thing you can ask for. But the same thing with Wisconsin. It's like, man, if they don't bank in two shots, like, are we even talking about them right now? And I, I don't know if I believe in them either. No, I, I don't. I don't believe in Wisconsin. I mean, I mean, I, I think they're, they're, they're a good team, but I would not put them near, near a title contender. Um, and you know, in Ken Palm, they're 42 in offense and 27 in defense. And that's, that's not going to get it done. And Purdue, you're right. I mean, I, I cannot bank on them to get a stop if they need it. Now they can outscore anybody in the world, but I mean, get a stop. No, that, that is not in their game plan. The, the big 10, uh, you know, do you buy Illinois? Uh, I don't, I, I mean, not really, but I mean, Iowa. I, guess it's, it's, I feel like I, I mentioned this on the on the show a couple of weeks ago. I don't like teams like Iowa in this sense. I I'm stupid. You you like you cannot play nothing but defense in football and have no offense in football and then play no defense in basketball. Yeah. And then just play nothing but up. I want my schools to be consistent. Like, one thing I do love about Wisconsin is Wisconsin has a brand. Like, their brand is we're going to slow it down. We're going to, like, execute. We're going to white boy you to death. Yeah. But, like, Iowa throws me off because there's no consistency. I need no. – I am stupid. You have to basically – you have to – your football program and your basketball programs need to mirror each other. Yeah, I mean, they. it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, uh, you know, the thought is Alabama was always a defense first team, but yeah. now they're now, but now they're they're offensive and you know minded in football, and their basketball team is just you know shooting the lights out of it. Uh, you know, Auburn's got just a crazy fan base, regardless, uh, no matter where they are. So yeah, it, it does kind of match up in a lot of places all around. Um, yeah, I, I can't I can't buy oh, Iowa Auburn, either. The way I would say with Auburn is Auburn doesn't really have a brand in football except their brand is chaos like they thrive in chaos and I feel like that's what Bruce Pearl does like in the yes. end like he wants the chaotic scene like that's and so like I feel like it matches but at the same time like I don't know where are we on Auburn because you know for 25 minutes against Tennessee I was like oh this is a really nice you know this is a nice performance they're going into Tennessee like they're shaping up and then they just went brain dead for like 15 minutes. And I, I was like, man, that game just flipped in a hurry. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Tennessee, their, 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 their brand is they let you down to football and then they let you down to basketball. And that, that's the brand yes. that they have there. Uh, at some point though, it's like, Hey, can your team win it? Yeah. Yeah. They, they can go to the sweet 16 and then they'll lose a game because for what it hook or crook, they, they miss free throws, turnovers, whatever they're going to lose. They're going to eventually let you down uh, before they get to where they may sometimes should get to um yeah but you mentioned Iowa I never thought I would see the day where Iowa would be pulling up from the logo yeah and and, and I and I see it now uh and I never thought that day would come 
But that team, man, they will shoot and they will shoot and shoot and shoot. Uh, but I don't know that I, I I'm with you on there. I, I mean, certainly don't think Iowa has a chance to uh, uh, to advance. I certainly don't think that they're uh, a, a team that could. I mean, advance yes, but not not win at all. No. Yeah, I, I openly admit again, I'm an idiot. I'm very dumb. I also have like blinders when I see a team and the kids, the coach's son is on the team. Even if he's good, I just immediately dismiss it. I'm like, I can't. Yeah, you know, I I think the McBuckets, uh, the McDermott's swore me off it forever. Like when McBuckets was out there making it rain, I fell in love with that Creighton team. And then inevitably they just broke my heart. And I was like, you know what? There's just something about when the coach's kids on the team, like it, it, I just am always reminded of South Park one time did the introductions before a Colorado football game when Dan Hawkins was coaching Colorado and Cartman got up and said, and the quarterback is number seven, Cody Hawkins, because he's the coach's son. Like, it's just, it just makes me realize, like, it's usually not a great place to be. No, it's usually not. Sometimes you get it, you know, like Dougie, Dougie McDermott was great, man, in college. And, uh, you know, he, he's carved out a decent little niche for himself in the NBA. Uh, well, so I, I learned this week, McBuckets is on San Antonio because yeah. uh, the Grizzlies play San Antonio on Monday night. John Moran had 52. Oh, uh, Zach's texting us. Not one, but two coaches' sons. So, like, I guess with my theory with Iowa, so Iowa's got two coaches' sons. Maybe I need Syracuse as the better example because, like, that's yeah. the, like, how do I not believe in Syracuse? He's playing both of you. Like, seriously, at this point, like, Jim Beheim has a college basketball team so that his kids have a place to play. And, like, that's just yeah. insane. He's a, he's a youth college basketball coach at this yeah. point. He put together the is. summer. Yeah, yeah. He put, he's got the travel ball team together. Yep. His kids need an AAU squad, so he made one. Uh, he just happened to hijack an entire university. Uh, the universe, basically the university of the entire state. He thought he hijacked just for that, just so his kids could play. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's Jim Beheim for you. He did have an unbelievable spin zone this, uh, this week. He did say he can't let the kids down and not coach next year because what just a bad season this year. And then I quit on him. What would that say to the kids? What would that say to the team? Like he's got to, when the going gets tough, Jim Beheim's got to dig in. Like yeah. that was just an, unbelievable spin zone of, Hey, I'm going to keep cashing this check. Yeah. Why, why, why don't you just say that you're, you're, you're tired and you're old. Uh, why don't you yes. just tell them that you just can't give up the limelight. You just can't give it up. You can't give up the ego boost uh, from coaching uh, and, and, and trying to win. You, you can't give it up. Uh, you want to make sure that somebody still plays a two, three zone when you leave this game. That's what you say that. Amen. Amen. It's, it's for every lazy man out there that goes and plays pickup and just wants to shoot like, Jim Beheim will always be there for you so that on defense you can play the 2 3 zone. All right, I want to talk to you about this team. Arkansas. Is Eric Musselman like becoming the new Dana Altman in the sense that slow start, you kind of start doubting them, and then all of a sudden February rolls around, his team has kind of a nice win, and then you realize like, oh, they're they're putting it together. Like, I don't know, there's something about Arkansas, man. When I watch them play, like I I'm starting – I'm afraid that I'm believing in them. I think that's my, that's my concern because I just don't know if Arkansas falls into that category of teams that you want to ride or die with. Um, I am a 1,000% with you, man, and I'll tell you this. If you take away that December stretch 
where they lost five of six games. Okay. They lost five of six games in December. If you take that away, they're 23 and one. And I think, didn't they have some, was it COVID? Did they have COVID problems? Yeah. Yeah. They're 23 and one outside of that five out of six stretch of December from December 11th through January 8th, where it was Christmas. There was vacations in there, uh, which obviously they didn't take vacations, but you know, the students go on vacation a lot of times, you know, so your home games are what, uh, and then you had, you know, COVID was still an issue for a lot of teams. If you take that stretch out, they're 23 and one. And I believe their one loss is by a point. Like it was, I think it was the Alabama game Alabama on the road. Yeah. They, they lost by a one. Yeah. And, and, and all those games that they lost, Oklahoma neutral. Hofstra, it says semi home game. I'm assuming that was in Little Rock. Uh, and they lost to, yeah, they lost to Vandy at home. The rest of them were all on the road. Uh, there are no home games, there are no road games in the tournament. There's no doubt they're a better, um, home team than road but who is it who is it better at home than on the road maybe duke right duke this year has got a couple of weird home losses um uh, no i i think you're right that they that they're scary i don't know that they can win it but it would not stun me to look up and see this team in um in the elite eight it would not stun me at all yeah i, I want to give our producer zach credit because when we were having the guard conversation he later brought up off the air you know, no taste out there. And he is, he is impressive. Uh, yeah. And, and look, Musselman is a, uh, you know, he's, I think he's a coaching advantage. Uh, you know, the guys in the NBA will tell you that there's more coaching that goes on uh, in a single half of NBA basketball than it does in an entire season of college. I, I, I think it's a bit much. I think it's a bit much, but you know, Musselman's got that NBA pedigree. Uh, maybe there is a different level to coaching that that he can bring uh, to the table because it is all about preparing your team, you know, for the latter part of the season. If you have to pick a Big 12 team to ride with, are you picking Baylor? Because yeah. I think we're both kind of on the same page on Kansas. Same page on Kansas. I think we're on the same page on Texas Tech, too. Uh, and I'm not taking Texas uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Baylor. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm taking Baylor. I would love to take Oklahoma state, but, uh, that's, that's, you know, personal reasons, but they're not so, yeah. Well, they, listen, they got their nice run last year. They, they, they applied for the, the, whatever they like, they had like a stay of execution so yeah. they could get their, so they could get their run with Kate Cunningham. And I guess out West, it's still gotta be Arizona, right? Yeah, I think it has to be Arizona out West. I, I, I guess, uh, you know, if you wanted to, could you go with a U? Oh, oh wait a second. Yeah, UCLA, man. I, I love I love their guard play. You talk about guard play. I love Tiger. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I mean, they got they got a good squad. I think UCLA is definitely a title threat. Yeah, they just spooked me. The Oregon game, but Chu Zhang was hurt, and uh, I do this thing when I bet on teams as a favorite, and they let me down. I just decide that like you're not it. You're not it, despite the fact that it's college basketball. And, you know, when your best player is basically misses 40 minutes, it doesn't matter. We come back. Let's take a look into the big games of the weekend. It's a nice slate for the final weekend of regular season play. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. This is BetQLU.
From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Let's take a look at the weekend slate. Pretty good slate for... There are some conference tournaments going on right now, but this is pretty much the last weekend of the regular season. Let's start with North Carolina and Duke, RJ. Ken Palm showing about a 12-point game. Is there any way you can talk yourself into taking 12? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to think not. Um, You know, this is – here's the one thing. You know, back in – let's go back to 95, right? Right. Uh, you you had that Carolina Duke game, that classic Duke game at Cameron. Uh, you had Stackhouse and Wallace uh, on Carolina. I think Jeff McGinnis was on that team too. Um, and, and Duke had nobody. And Coach K was, you know, uh, he was in and out of a, in and out of the hospital with a back injury, right, or whatever. He well, that was the it. original. Remember, that was his, his original backstabbing moment. He made that guy, his assistant that had been with him forever, he made him uh, take all the blame, and then he stabbed him in the back. Yeah. Uh, God, what was his name? I can't remember his name, what it was. but uh, So, that game, the, Duke didn't belong on the floor with Carolina. Not on the floor. And it was a blowout. And then Duke comes storming back. Uh, they just got red hot. And then Carolina finds up, winds up winning that game in overtime. Um, I could see that, like, if, if if the roles were flipped. If this was Roy Williams' last game against Duke, and Duke was terrible, and they were playing at home. Because Duke at home is always a little bit weird. There's always that. It, it almost feels like they get up for Carolina more than Carolina gets up for them. Duke cares about everything. Carolina is that wine and cheese. We are too good. We're the best public school in America. All that stuff. I don't think that Carolina. You what? Pinky's up. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Carolina has, has it in them to give them a game. I like to think that this rivalry thing would make it like that. But something about this rivalry, and, and I know Duke is like, the private school kids, the future heads of state, the attorney generals. They it's it's almost weird, but like those private school kids seem like they're more intense than the public school Carolina kid. I don't know. I, I just I can't I can't put it into words. But I it's think more like, of a cult. It's more of a cult. Like it's kind of like yeah. as someone who went to private school, I can tell you this. Like to really like go to these schools, you kind of have to sip the Kool-Aid. It's a lot like uh, I once uh, interviewed out at Google, and you realize, like, everyone at Google, like, they all kind of sip the Kool-Aid, whereas it feels like that that's very much at Duke. Like, if you're Duke, you, you sip the Duke Kool-Aid, whereas North Carolina, it's more of the state school. It's the university. It's obviously a, an amazing school, but eh, when you get a school that big, not everyone's kind of in – not everyone's, like, as similar. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, your 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 student body is much smaller. It's easier to get everybody to fall in line and be. I don't want to say Stepford, but you know what I'm talking about, like that that same. It's cool. yeah, yeah, look, the only school I've seen do that on a on a grand scale is A and M. 
Yes. That's the only, that's the only school I've seen do it on, on a on a grand 50,000 student body or whatever it is scale. And that's because they basically train you to do that with uh, with fish camp. They have the thing called fish camp they do before you're a freshman. And they train you from the start. Every single class will have that same kind of attitude. Uh, so, no, Carolina, keep the same. Yeah, I'm with you. It also feels like if you if you want to take the points, I feel like we're doing with the thing where we've always talked about it. Don't bet with your heart, bet with your head. And it feels like your heart wants to take those 12 points, but the, your head would say, eh, that's probably what they want you to do. Just, just lay them. Three, two. All right, RJ, I want to move on to a different game. This is, uh, this is a game that I, I think you – Probably have a pretty good read on. Nobody watches more Tennessee basketball than you do. We both have mentioned in the last segment how much we like what Arkansas is trending to. As good as Arkansas has been, I do kind of want to see what do they look like away from home. And Tennessee has been one of the best home teams really in the country this year. What do we expect out of this? I think Ken Palm's showing Tennessee by Tennessee right now by seven. That is one of those ones where I am I am enticed to ooh, I may take those points. Yeah, I I, I may too. Um listen, Tennessee, uh, the only game they've lost this year where they were the favorite was the tech game. That's it. They're one of the best chalk teams in the nation. Um if they're the favorite, you can pretty much bet them. And the same held true against Auburn. You know, they went up as a slight fave. You know, like th- th- this is a this is a home team. This is a team that plays well at home. Uh, I, you know, I saw them losing, I thought by about double digits almost against Arkansas on the road. I see a complete here. I mean, I think they win this game by six to eight points. Uh, they are, they are just a different animal, uh, at Thompson bowling, uh, for whatever reason, unfortunately for them, they don't get to play there during the NCAA tournament. They're forced to go on these stupid little road games, these neutral site games and Greensboro or San Antonio. Why can't we just play the whole thing in Knoxville? So see if you buy this theory for for why I think they have such a erratic split. They're a very physical defensive team. And when you go on the road, it's been, you know, there's been studies shown that home teams get calls just because of the environment and whatnot. And I feel like when they go on the road, they get in foul trouble. And then when they get in foul trouble, like, they're top six to seven. It feels like Barnes trusts them. But when you start getting a little bit more into the bench and you have to play more bench minutes, it feels like he doesn't quite have the trust in those teams. Right. To me, like, that, that, that is at least when I've been watching him, that feels like the script that gives them problems on the road. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, they, they will go into offensive funks. When they start getting into foul trouble, they lose guys in the starting lineup. I mean, you've got no scores on the team. It, it is really hard for them to – it's hard for them to score anyway. They're not a great offense anyway, but then you start adding in uh, some guys that are that, that, that are even further down the bench. It becomes problematic offensively uh, for Tennessee to have to deal with guys getting, you know, you know, getting into foul trouble. So there's no doubt about it. And that now it just becomes how is the tournament games officiated? If it's a loose whistle, then I think they're okay. They, they can make a run. Uh, they're they're good. They're a good team. They're not great. They're a good team. They can make a they, they can be second weekend. Uh, but if it's a tight game, an officiated game, this could be another Illinois Chicago kind of situation. We've got Texas going to Lawrence. 
Ken Palm shows it right now, 7368. I know we've both talked about not really believing necessarily in Kansas. This is one of those ones where if the line is five, I think I like the Jayhawks. Oh, yeah, I do too. If the line is, is anything uh, more than that, I'd probably stay away. But, I mean, if it's at five, I'm taking Kansas in this one. I do not buy Texas. I know that uh, – I know Chris Beard's got a – you know, he had a lot of things that he had to deal with in the offseason. He had a lot of turnover within that program. This is a good team. This is not a team that I think can go into Lawrence and win. That take It takes a special group to win in that environment at the end of the season. On senior night, it takes a special group to go in there and win. I don't think Texas is that. Yeah, we had mentioned earlier on my show this week, it feels like senior day is one of those things that's kind of going away just with the nature yeah. of the sport and whatnot. It still feels like, to me, senior day. Like, I have vivid, like, memories of, Kansas on the final day of the regular season, that environment's hopping. It feels like senior day is still a thing in Kansas, and I have no explanation for why. Uh, yeah, and, and look, I mean, I, I have vivid memories of, of senior day at you know, watching Duke Carolina on TV. Yeah. And it was always a big deal, right? It was always a big deal. You, 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 know, you bring your parents out. You get flowers to mom and, you know, all that stuff. And you've got your jersey retired. Or you got your your plaque, whatever it is. And, and now senior day has gone from – six kids to two and it's the two kids you've never heard of hey if, i got one for you. memphis, yeah, memphis earlier in this week, memphis earlier this week announced that they weren't gonna even have senior day and then later it turned out alex lomax said no i'm i'm gonna walk at senior day like i'd never seen that where there just wasn't even gonna be a senior day uh, a, a senior day celebration if you will but like i don't feel like I feel like that's going to become more normal than it is the outlier. I, I agree. I mean, when you have these programs that that constantly recruit and turn over, um, you know, see, you know, freshmen and sophomores, they don't. Even, you you have kids you've never heard of who are going to be thrown into the starting lineup. They played six minutes all year in garbage time, and you know, half the, some of the time these are important games, and and it's, you know. It, you get a few applause. I mean, I like senior day. I hope they don't do away with it, but I mean, I, I see more and more teams just end it. Zach crawl, our producer uh, texts in. I'm glad to know that my gut was correct. Kansas has won 38 straight senior days. Like, I don't know. I, that was just one of those things where it's like, I, I didn't know there was a stat. It's just like, I feel like every single time I think about senior day, I Ooh. think about Allen Fieldhouse. Man, 38 straight. You, yes. you hammer them. You, you know, even if they were ever a dog on senior night, you've got to hammer them money line. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Couple of hungry dog runs faster. Tell me if you like either one of these. Indiana goes to Purdue, and they're basically playing for their their tournament lives. That was a brutal way to lose on uh, the midweek against Rutgers. I still have no idea what those officials were doing, but they lose in heartbreaking fashion. That's kind of been their story this year. And then Kentucky goes to Florida. Florida's still trying to hang on for dear life. Are there either one of those dogs that you would that you would want to back? Uh, I, I would not back either one. If I was going to back one, I'd probably back Florida because uh, it's a home, home team. But uh, I, I can't imagine I would back either one. Kentucky is – I think Kentucky's still fighting for that one. Uh, if they still have a chance at it. You know, they, they, they may be out of it, but I think they're still – fighting for that one. I don't see them taking their foot off the gas 
uh, against Florida. And same thing for Purdue. I don't see it happening. We're here each and every Friday night at 11 Eastern tomorrow. Four hours of live coverage. It's BetQLU in the action. Connor Dunning, myself, will have the broadcast tomorrow. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. I want to thank you for listening to and watching BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app.